Hello you filthy animals and welcome to another episode of the Old Metal Bar Steward. Brought to you by 25 Years Later Media and the Ruminations Radio Network. I am your host, the Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray. And before we get into this week's show, it's time for the usual disclaimer. The opinions and thoughts of the Old Metal Bar Steward are mine and mine alone. And in no way reflect the opinions and thoughts of 25 Years Later Media or the Ruminations Radio Network. Now... You may recall a couple of weeks ago I offended James Katak, or at least someone claiming to be him, and I offered him the chance to join me in the debate about what I consider to be his crazy ideas. Well, I still haven't heard back from him. Now, this could be because it either wasn't him that wanted me to phone them so he could bore me out, even though it is his phone number that was left on the article, which I highly recommend you go and check out, or he really doesn't believe any of the shit he says. Still, I am nothing if not persistent, and would once again like to offer Mr. Katak the opportunity to join me here on Tombs and try to convince me and the rest of the world that he's no Ted Nugent levels of insane. Come on, James, the people want to know. Are you really batshit crazy, or is it all an act? Another thing I should mention, I usually record this show on a Friday and it goes out on a Monday, but due to prior commitments... I'm recording on a Thursday this week, so if I miss any major stories that are due to happen tomorrow, uh, last Friday, by the time you hear this, then I'll pick them up next week, and now my fucking brain hurts. Anyway, let's get to it, shall we? Out with the old and in with the news. And racism's reared its ugly head once again. Dragon Force guitarist Herman Lee says that the metal scene is in denial of the racism that dwells within it. Talking to Heavy Consequence, he said, I think the metal scene is in denial of racism in it, surprisingly. I have so many crazy stories, but we don't really talk about it. And when I do interviews, I'm not ever asked about it because they think it doesn't exist. And he's not the only one who feels this way. Synergy's Kimberly Goss has also said that she's been racially abused by fans outside of her own gigs, only for these same fans to ask her for an autograph later. And her online experiences haven't been much better either, saying, I definitely used to read comments from people referring to me with Asian slurs. They usually got shut down pretty fast by other fans, though, so that restored my faith in humanity. And I hate to say it, but again, they're right. The metal scene is just as guilty as every other walk of life for harboring within it a section of morons who think it's okay to say horrific shit about someone's race. Now, I love metal and metalheads as a whole, but you still see it whenever you go online. Whether it's just casual racism that the perpetrator doesn't seem to think is offensive and then can't understand why others are offended by it, or straight-out cross-burning Ted Nugent levels of hatred. The battle of racism, the battle against racism, sorry, is an ongoing mission for every right-minded individual in the world. But how do you cure it? The men and women the world over who are far, far more intelligent than me have been trying to answer this question for centuries. So you can trust me. I don't think that I've even come close to solving the problem, but I do have a couple of suggestions. First off, hold people accountable for their actions. For example, if you listened to the show last week, you'd have heard that the likes of Bobby Villain and Zand had taken exception to Die Antwoord being on the bill for this year's Alternate London with both artists pretty much promising to make the entire event very unpleasant for a band who are known racists and homophobes. 
At the time, I questioned how people like this still managed to get gigs, when in any other walk of life, they'd be fired and labelled as unhirable. But sanity has prevailed, as the pressure from groups and fans alike has seen Alt London kick them off the bill. This is what needs to happen. People need to be held accountable for their actions. Speak out against these assholes, and soon enough, one voice will become two, will become four, will become eight, and so on and so on. The worst thing anyone can do is remain silent as, to me, that makes you compliant with all the abuse that's going on. Secondly, the social media companies need to actually start acting and kick these fuckers off their platforms permanently. It's all good PR slapping people with a suspended account or stopping them from commenting on posts for a couple of weeks, but achieves fuck all in the long run. A few weeks ago, the entire footballing organisation in the UK got together and decided to have a blanket ban on all social media accounts for three days as a way of protesting the inaction by these companies in combating racism. So for a whole weekend, fans couldn't interact with their clubs or their players. Brilliant idea, right? Except, the morning after the ban ended, I woke up, put on the sports news, and found that three players had already been subjected to racial hatred in the six hours since they'd all gone back online. I mean, what's the fucking point? I've heard people talking about how it sent a big message, that it was a success, but it didn't achieve shit. The races were still there because they were allowed to be there. What would have made a bigger statement, and what I honestly, genuinely feel needs to be done, is if all of the heavy hitters in sports, music, film, business, gaming, whatever walk of life, just get together and walk the fuck away from social media until the problem's fixed. I fucking guarantee you that if that happens, these social media giants will have a method in place to stop the races in the bar within a fucking week. After all, the real reason that they've not done jack shit about it yet is that there's no money in solving racism. It doesn't benefit their shareholders to pump money into solving this problem. But if you take away the people that others flock to their sites to follow, effectively cutting off their cash supply, then they sort it out quicker than I can say, fuck the racists. And talking of racists, it's time for everyone's favourite segment, Nutty Nugent Watch. If you've listened to my show these past few weeks, you know that I've made it my mission in life to draw attention to the fact that Ted Nugent is batshit insane and very possibly pure evil. Well, after his claims last week about there being no systemic racism in the United States, Ted shifted back into Crazyland territory and decided to give evil a full-on rest this week. First up, He's been talking about how he knocked the shit out of the Chinese virus. Again, his words, not mine. Ted claims that he beat it after a week. After a week. Because of course you did, Super Ted. By taking his vitamins, saying his prayers and consuming the anti-malaria drug that Donald Trump suggested everybody takes. And everyone else in the world said, don't be a fucking moron. That's dangerous. But it's okay. Ted got some top-notch advice from some grade-A doctors before he started dosing on a drug that can kill you if you use it for anything other than what it's prescribed for. And by top-notch advice for some grade-A doctors, I of course mean that he's been taking advice from a group called the Frontline Doctors who've been screaming that anti-malaria drug is safe 
and we should all be on it, even though every other health professional in the world thinks they're as fucked in the head as Ted Nugent. You also double down on this by saying, I hate reading Ted stuff. Some of my buddies, many of whom got the vaccine and still got the Chinese virus, they wore masks and they still got the Chinese virus. They socially distanced and they still got the Chinese virus. So come on, who believes the Centers for Dis The CDC, because I can't say Centers of Disease Control because I'm breaking somebody else's teeth, or US National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease Director Anthony Fucci. Well, Theodore, if it's a choice between listening to the CDC and Fuji over a bunch of people who literally, literally threw on white lab coats and held a press conference where they made ludicrous claims such as masks don't work, which they fucking do, and that we should all dose up on drugs that might make our internal organs shut down, then I'm going to go with the former every single time. Elsewhere has been throwing around Satanism as the reason that the Democratic Party exists. At least, I think that's what he's getting at, but perhaps the anti-malaria drug has started to rot his brain, as I can't really make head nor tail of what he's banging on about. Look, I just read out what he said, and it really pains me to have to read what Ted fucking Nugent said. But I will, and you can try and figure out if he's talking sense or just rambling like an alcoholic sat on a park bench. To quote the nutty one, America, it's the last hope, and we're slipping dangerously over the edge of Marxism, thanks to the glaring criminality in our government, the viciousness, the cruelty, the hate, the lies, the satanic horror, which I'm pretty sure is an old fucking horror movie, the satanic rites of Dracula, something like that, sorry, sidetrack. The satanic horror that is the media, celebrating that children should be able to play on the streets and stab each other, that's what the Democrats believe. Really? They said it. They said it on CNN and MSNBC. They said it. You shouldn't interfere when children are stabbing each other. It's just what they do. Satan. I fucking have no idea where Ted gets his bullshit, but any political party that says it's all right to stand around and watch kids stab each other would be out of office fast and you could fucking blink. But anyway, according to Ted, they've got to be the Satan gang. Only Satan would say, yeah, children stabbing each other is like playing hockey. It's truth, logic, common sense. And I know I regurgitate that non-stop for at least 50 years and I know that's why we connect because I know a lot of you can say it or you'll get fired. Look at what they're doing to Mike Lindell. The H-E-B supermarkets, the Target stores, Walmart, Kroger, Starbucks, Bed, Bath and Beyond, literally throughout that great entrepreneur Mike Lindell of my pillow, my pillow, uh, fucking I, waifu, you know, guys buying these big fucking anime pillows so they can hump them. Who's the asset in common creating thousands of jobs and quality products? And Delta and Coca-Cola and H-E-B and Kroger and Disney and Target. Target supports the people who burnt down their stores and not the great entrepreneur Mike Lindu, who asked legitimate questions about the 2020 election, asking legitimate questions about whether the face masks work. Even though that lying piece of shit Fuji said, you don't need them on Monday, but on Wednesday you need them, but then you don't need them on Thursday. But for the weekend, you've got to wear two of them. What a prick. What a lying genocidal, genocidal criminal 
satanic prick. Who would listen to this man? Well, Ted, that's what I think about you. But does anyone, anyone have any idea what the fuck he's talking about? No? Nobody? Right, guess I'll try to figure it out then. See, I think he's bad because his good buddy and Trump humper, Mike Lindell, is being sued to the moon by Dominion voting systems after they took offence at his claim that their machines were rigged and that Donald Trump won the election, basically claiming they fixed the vote. Now, considering he's looking at a $1.3 billion lawsuit, I can imagine that Ted feels the need to defend his friend, but Satan really, Ted? I asked you last week if you've ever read the Bible, and I'm more convinced now that you never have. Or you've got one of those books that just say, Republicans go to heaven and the rest go to hell. Also, calling Fuji a lying, genocidal, criminal, satanic prick after you yourself claimed last December, last December, that COVID was a leftism scam trying to bring down your boy Trump. It's just fucking laughable. You have denied that it exists. You have accused people of making it up just to bring down Donald Trump. Then you accuse the doctors and nurses, you know, those who were on the actual front line of fudging the numbers of dead Americans. And even now, after you've had the fucking thing yourself, you still feel that you need to blame Fuji instead of laying it at the door of the person responsible for the worst failure, worst failure, in your country's history, Donald Trump. If there is anyone in the world who still thinks that Trump shouldn't be held to account for his utter and abysmal failure in dealing with the situation that was this generation's black fucking play, then not only are you delusional, you're a fucking lost cause. May God have mercy on your soul, Dead Nugent, because the rest of us won't. Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison has been in the news for all the wrong reasons this week. It appears a series of intimate conversation and explicit videos were leaked on Twitter over the last weekend involving Dave and a woman that isn't his wife. And, as you can imagine, the interweb dirtmongers have had a field day with this. As soon as news dropped about his indiscretion, people started accusing him of grooming the person in question. But he was quick to get out ahead of this and release the following statement. As you may or may not know, some private and personal conversations and interactions have surfaced online, released with ill intention by a third party who was not authorised to have them or share them. While certainly embarrassing, I want to address it as openly and honestly as possible. As much as it's not something I'm proud of, these were private adult interactions that were taken out of context and manipulated to inflict maximum damage to my reputation and my career and to my family. The other party involved has made a statement which you can read. I thank her for doing so and hope that this clarifies that the situation was not at all as presented. Now the woman in question statement reads, I'm the girl people are talking about in the post about Dave Ellison right now and I just want to tell my side of the story because people are sharing misinformation and the situation is getting out of hand without the truth being out there. Yes, these video calls did happen, but I was the one to initiate them, and never was I underage. I was a consenting adult. Nothing inappropriate ever happened before that. It was all consensual. I am not a victim, and I have not been groomed in the slightest, as I was the one to initiate it. I was just naive enough to record him and share it with a friend without his permission. 
In the end, it was all consensual and all online. I don't know how it got to this point, but a lot of information is being left out by people purposely trying to harm him. Now, normally, this kind of story wouldn't interest me enough for it to find a place on this show. But there's a couple of things that piss me off. First up, it's just how eager people seem to be to claim that David groomed this woman like he's a fucking paedophile. And that shit is just fucking wrong. It seems whenever anyone gets caught doing something they shouldn't, other humans automatically try to put them in the same category as the worst humans among us. And it's got to stop. Throwing accusations around like this damages those involved, even when they're innocent. And once a stigma attaches itself to someone, no amount of bleach will wash that shit off. Don't fucking do it. It's fucking wrong. Secondly, who fucking cares? Sure, Dave's wife isn't going to be best pleased, but this was interactions between two consenting adults, so butt the fuck out. It's got nothing to do with you. This world has many problems. But right up there is how everything has to be everyone else's business. It just doesn't. Life isn't reality TV and no one gives a flying fuck for your two cents. Especially on a private matter between a man and his family. You want to do that sort of shit? Fuck off and watch reruns of the Kardashians. Then you can quote unquote live tweet until your black little heart is content. Or get yourself a podcast where you can say what the fuck you want about whoever the fuck you want, whenever the fuck you want. Because that's what I did. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. So the inductees for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have been announced. And while it's great to see the Foo Fighters, Randy Rose and Gil Scott Heron get in, especially Gil Scott Heron, as that is way over fucking due. The likes of Iron Maiden, Rage Against the Machine and the New York Dolls have once again missed out. This has caused the inevitable backlash on social media, but professional smug-faced bastard and Hall of Fame CEO Greg Harris it's claimed that they do respect heavy metal and have done everything they can to induct bands from the harder side of music. But it's all bullshit though, isn't it? They don't give a flying fuck about metal and would rather it wasn't mentioned every time a ballot comes around. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wouldn't know rock and roll if it walked straight up to them and kicked them right in the bollocks. But this has given me an idea. We should have our own Hall of Fame. So right here, right now, I am introducing the Tombs Rock and Metal Hall of Fame. And our first inductees are Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Motorhead and Twisted Sister. Now I'm terribly sorry guys, you don't get anything for it. There is no award, no plaque, no live performance. Basically because my house isn't big enough to fit you all in. But what you do get is the thanks and love of millions of adoring fans for filling their lives with fantastic music. Congratulations to this year's winners, and join me in 12 months, and I'll see if I remember to do the same thing all over again. If you're in Sacramento between October the 7th to October the 10th, then I eagerly advise you to get your hands on some tickets for the Aftershock Festival that will be taking place. The event was already pretty lit. I really hate using the word lit, sorry with the likes of Metallica and Anthrax on the bill, but it got even better when it was announced that My Chemical Romance would be pulling out. God, I hate that emo crap. 
Poor me, no one understands me. My life is so hard. I'm all emotional. Yeah, that's called being alive, numb nuts. Now get a fucking job. Sorry. Got a little sidetracked for a moment now. Anyway, where was I? Ah, yes, the fact that they are no longer going to be playing isn't the only boom, as the original Misfits have taken their place and will be headlining the Saturday night. I would give my right nut to see the original Misfits live. But as I live in the UK, that's never going to happen. So I urge you, if you can go, then go. And please report back to your old metal bar steward about how fucking awesome it was. At least that way I can live vicariously through you. KK Downing's group, KK's Priest, has set a pre-order release date for their album, Sermons of the Sinner. They've also released a video for Hellfire Thunderbolt, and it sounds just like Judas Priest. Now, far be it, for me to question anything that KK does as he's more than earned the respect of metal fans worldwide for his work while I'm just a fat bastard with a microphone but I just don't get this at all I know that when he left the band in 2011 there was a lot of bad blood so much so in fact that even though he's reached out to the rest of the group about joining in on the 50th anniversary tour he's still not heard anything back but to then come back with a priest tribute act is just well, let's call it weird. I can understand that he wants to carry on playing the same style of riffs that he has for half a century because they're fucking awesome riffs, but why bring Tim Ripper Owen along for the ride? Why not draft in a new singer, someone who isn't a Rob Halford clone, who wasn't in a Judas Priest tribute band, and then forge a new path towards greatness? I don't know, man. This just strikes me as a cover band you stumble across in a bar on a Saturday evening. It's just fucking odd. I'm talking to fucking odd tribute acts. Tracy Guns has been talking about having to sue for the right to use his own band name after asshole Steve Riley decided to help himself to it and rip off a ton of people. Guns, you know, the real one, was talking to Sonic Perspectives and said, I could have spent more money and eliminate it. There is a saying, turn that country into glass. At the end of the day, I wouldn't have gotten any compensation. When you sue a rock, rocks don't have money. You have to be wise and know how far to take it. I'm satisfied where we ended up. I will never understand why a professional musician would choose to use someone else's name other than their own. It's so humiliating. It would essentially be like me going out and using the Guns N' Roses name to take something that someone else created for a very minimal gain. You are completely selling your soul. It was so expensive, boring, and a waste of time and energy to end up with what was mine. When they did those couple of shows, we got so much angry email from our fans. People were saying, like, what the fuck? None of you guys were there. We would then have to explain it's a different band with the same name. When I say a lot, I'm talking over a thousand emails. Then they put out a record using the name LA Guns, and the emails just escalated. That was the point where someone from our family stepped up who had unlimited funds, which we used to stop this. It's what we needed to do, and it's done. Can you imagine? Now they have to make up their legal fees. In what reality is it worth it for Steve Riley to spend $80,000, and they will never make that back with Riley's LA guns? There's no logic. It's just so bizarre. Every time I read or hear this story, I have to actually stop for a moment and remind myself that someone decided to rip off someone else's intellectual property and somehow isn't sitting in jail for it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's exactly where Riley should be right now. But the weirdest thing is, this isn't the first time that this has happened. As at one point, both Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns had different versions of the band on the go. 
but at least I can understand that. Lewis was the voice of LA Guns, and Tracy was, well, the guns of LA Guns, but Riley? He's just a fucking drummer. And I mean that as no mark of disrespect to drummers either, as I've been a tub thumper since a very early age, but come on. That'd be like Peter Chris going out on the road with his version of Kiss, or Chris Slade getting a piss on because Phil Rudd's back in ACDC and hitting the road with his own version of the band. It makes zero sense. You could put it down to greed, with Riley thinking that he can make a fast buck off the LA Guns name, but when you find out he spent $80,000 of his own fucking money to record a show no bastard is ever going to buy, and you find yourself questioning whether that boy ain't a little soft in the head. When this madness is all over and bands get back out on the road, make sure you go and see the real LA Gun, and not the fucking knockoff version. At least that way you know your money is going to go to the right people, and not a fucking con man with very little intelligence. Bowling for Soup's Jarrett Reddick has been talking to Krang about his battle with depression and mental illness, and even though I'm not sure what the protocol is here for me recommending another site while I'm working under the 25 years later banner, I'm pretty sure that my boss Andrew doesn't listen to the show, so I'm going to tell you to all head over to the Krang site later on and check the article out as it's fascinating. Also, if Andrew does listen to the show, can I have a pay rice? Anyway, Reddick has been fighting back against this illness ever since he was diagnosed with it a decade ago, and he is honest and open about the whole process throughout the interview. It's a very inspirational piece, and as someone who's fought that war myself, as well as having been in the trenches with others in their own war, I think it's a very brave and very important step he's taken, just getting it out there. So others can see that they're not alone. Well done, my friend. The world needs more rock stars like you to come forward and say, yeah, it's all right not to be all right. And finally, Death Clock are returning in a brand new Metalocalypse movie and I couldn't be any fucking happier. The blurb reads, The power-hungry tribunal unveils their secret and deadly Falcon back project as the world grows in embattled chaos and a menacing Doomstar breaches the Earth's atmosphere, while the mysterious and twisted descent of a band member threatens the future of Deathclaw. Picking up directly after the heroic rescue of Toki Wartooth, can Deathclaw choose between their egos and the greater good of the world to embark on a gauntlet of dangers that will try their very souls and finally write the song that will be their salvation? I'll be honest, they could have just had them sit down read a fucking shopping list for two and a half hours, and I'd still be out there buying tickets hand over fist. Luckily, it seems that the movie is going to be as brutal as the series, and I cannot fucking wait to have Deathbot back in my life. So there it is. Another week, another episode of The Old Metal Bar Steward. I've been your host, The Old Metal Bar Steward himself, Neil Gray, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. Brought to you by 25 Years Later Media, and a Ruminations Radio Network. And you all know the drill by now. When you turn off my dulcet tones, head on over to the main 25 Years Later site, as well as its sister sites, Horror Obsessive and Sports Obsessive, and get your eyeballs some top-notch reading. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network, as they've got you covered no matter what your ear holes are craving. I'll be back here in seven days' time with more news, reviews and opinions, and if you want to follow me on that there Twitter, you can at WWRumination. So until I speak to you next time, stay safe, stay metal, you filthy animals. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. 
Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you!